And so this is chapter six of Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks, that wonderful Puritan work on the subject of Christian assurance. Chapter six is entitled The Differences Between a True and a Counterfeit Assurance, Between Sound Assurance and Presumption. A well-grounded assurance bears these following marks. One, it is attended by a deep admiration of God's love and favour in Christ. One, the first difference, a sound and well-grounded assurance is attended with a deep admiration of God's transcendent love and favour to the soul in the Lord Jesus. The assured soul is often a breathing it out thus, Ah, Lord, who am I? What am I that thou should give into my bosom the white stone of absolution? when the world hath given into their bosoms only the black stone of condemnation. Revelation 2.17 Lord, what mercy is this that thou shouldst give me assurance, give me water out of the rock, and feed me with manna from heaven, when many of my dearest ones spend their days in sighing, mourning, and complaining for want of assurance? Lord, what manner of, <coughs> of love is this that thou shouldst set me upon thy knee, Embrace me in thy arms, lodge me in thy bosom, and kiss me with the sweet kisses of thy blessed mouth, with those kisses that are better than wine. Song of Solomon 1-2 Yea, better than life, when many are even weary of their lives, because they lack what I enjoy. Psalm 63 verse 3 Ah, Lord, by what name shall I call this mercy, this assurance that thou hast given me, it being a mercy that fits me to do duties, to bear crosses, and to make the best use of mercies that fits me to speak sweetly, to judge righteously, to give liberally, to act seriously, to suffer cheerfully, and to walk humbly. I cannot, says the assured soul, but sing it out with Moses. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, amongst the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Exodus 15 verse 2. And with the Apostle, O oh, the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19. If the Queen of Sheba says the assured soul was so swallowed up in a deep admiration of Solomon's, Solomon's wisdom, greatness, goodness, excellency, and glory, that she could not but admiringly breathe it out thus, Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom, 1 Kings 10, verse 8. Oh, then, how should that blessed assurance that I have of the love of God, of my interest in God, of my union and communion with God, of my blessedness here and my happiness hereafter, work me to a deep and serious, to a real and perpetual admiration of God? 2. It causes the soul ever to seek a fuller enjoyment of God and Christ. The second difference Secondly, a well-grounded assurance doth always beget in the soul an earnest and an impatient longing after a further, a clearer and a fuller enjoyment of God in Christ. Psalm 63 verse 1 O God, thou art my God. Here is assurance. Well, what follows? Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. The assured soul cries out, I desire to be dissolved and to be with Christ, Philippians 1.23, and make haste, my beloved, Song of Solomon 8.14, and come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Revelation 22.17. O Lord Jesus, says the assured soul, thou art my light, thou art my life, thou art my love, thou art my joy, 
Thou art my crown, thou art my heaven, thou art my all. I cannot but long to see that beautiful face that was spit upon for my sins, and that glorious head that was crowned with thorns for my transgressions. I long to take some turns with thee in paradise, to see the glory of thy Jerusalem above, to drink of those rivers of pleasures that be at thy right hand, to taste of all the delicacies of thy kingdom, to be acquainted with those secrets and mysteries that have been hid from all ages, and to be swallowed up in the full enjoyment of thy blessed self. Ephesians 3.5, Colossians 1.26 3. It is usually strongly assaulted by Satan. The third difference. Thirdly, a well-grounded assurance is usually strongly assaulted by Satan on all sides. Satan is such a grand enemy to the joy and peace, to the salvation and consolation of the saints, that he cannot but make use of all his devices and stratagems to amaze and amuse, to disturb and disquiet the peace and rest of their souls. No sooner had Jesus Christ heard that lovely voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, Matthew 3 verse 17 and 4 verses 1 and 2, but he was desperately assaulted by Satan in the wilderness. No sooner was Paul dropped out of heaven after he had seen visions of glory that were unutterable, but he was immediately assaulted and buffeted by Satan, 2 Corinthians 12.7. Stand up, stand up, assured Christians, and tell me whether you have not found the blast of the terrible one to be as a storm against the wall, Isaiah 25 verse 4. Since the Lord said unto you, Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Have you not found Satan to play the part both of the lion and the wolf, both of the serpent and the fox, and all to weaken your assurance and to cause you to question the truth of your assurance and to cast water upon your assurance and to take off the freshness and sweetness, the beauty and glory of your assurance? I know you have. His malice, envy and enmity is such against God's honour and glory and your comfort and felicity that he cannot but be very studious and industrious to make use of all traps, snares, methods and ways whereby he may shake the pillars of your faith and weaken and overthrow your assurance. Pirates, you know, do most fiercely assault those ships and vessels that are most richly laden. So doth Satan those precious souls that have attained to the riches of full assurance. Assurance makes a paradise in believers' souls, and this makes Satan to roar and rage. Assurance fits a man to do God the greatest service and Satan the greatest disservice, and this makes him mad against the soul. Assurance makes a saint to be too hard for Satan at all weapons, yea, to lead that the son of the morning captive to spoil him of all his hurting power, to bind him in chains and to triumph over him, and this makes his hell a great deal hotter. <clears throat> Romans eight thirty two to thirty nine, and therefore never wonder at Satan's assaulting your assurance, but expect it and look for it. A jailer is quiet when his prisoner is behind bolts, but if he be escaped, then he pursues him with hue and cry. So long as the soul is behind bolts and in bondage under Satan, Satan is quiet, and is not so apt to molest and vex it. But when once the soul is made free and assured of his freedom by Christ. John 8.36, then says Satan, as once Pharaoh did, I will arise, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall be satisfied upon them, I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them, Exodus 15 verse 9. 
the experience of all assured saints doth abundantly confirm this. Israel, going into Egypt, had no enemies, no opposition, but travelling to Canaan, they were never free. For it makes the believer bold. The fourth difference, fourthly, a well-grounded assurance makes a man as bold as a lion. It makes him valiant and gallant for Christ and his cause in the face of all dangers and deaths. After the Holy Ghost was fallen upon the apostles and had assured them of their internal and eternal happiness, oh, how bold, how undaunted, how resolute they were in the face of all oppositions, afflictions and persecutions. As you may see from the second of the Acts of the Apostles to the end of the Acts, assurance had this same operation upon David's heart. Psalm 23 verses 4 and 6 Compared, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Well, David, but how doth this assurance of yours operate? Why, saith he, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So it was with Moses, having an assurance of the recompense of reward. He fears not the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Hebrews 11 verses 26 and 27. So in Hebrews 10 verse 34. And ye took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. The knowledge and assurance that they had in their own hearts of enjoying heaven a better and a more enduring substance made them bear cheerfully and gallantly the spoiling of their worldly goods. Though the archers, the world, the flesh and the devil do shoot sore at a soul under assurance, yet his bow will still abide in strength. Assurance will make a man to break a bow of steel, to trample down strength and to triumph over all oppositions and afflictions. Colonus, the Dutch martyr, called to the judge that had sentenced him to death and desired him to lay his hand upon his heart and asked him whose heart did most beat. His or the judge's. Assurance will make a man do this, and much more for Christ and his cause. 5. It makes a believer seek the happiness of other men. The fifth difference, fifthly, a well-grounded assurance of a man's own eternal happiness and blessedness will make him very studious and laborious to make others happy. Psalm 66, verse 16. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will tell you what he hath done for my soul. I will acquaint you with the soul blessings, with the soul favours that God hath crowned me with. I was darkness, but he hath made me light. I was unrighteousness, but he hath made me righteous. I was deformed, but he hath made me complete. I was full of sores and spots and blemishes, but he hath washed me and made me all fair, without spot or wrinkle. I have found my lack of assurance. I now see the worth of assurance. I have long sought assurance, and now I find the sweetness of assurance. Ah, it is such a pearl of price, it is such a beam of God, it is such a spark of glory that makes my soul a rich amends for all its waiting, weeping and wrestling. So when it pleased God to call Paul by his grace and to reveal Christ in him and to him, ah, how doth he labour as for life to bring others to an acquaintance with Christ and to an acceptance of Christ and to an assurance of everlasting happiness and blessedness by Christ. After Paul had been in paradise, he makes it his all to bring others to paradise, 2 Corinthians 12. So the spouse in the Song of Solomon, having assurance of her interest in Christ, how doth she labour by all holy and heavenly rhetoric and logic, by all the strains of love and sweetness, to draw the daughters of Jerusalem to a sight of Christ? Song of Solomon 5 verses 10 to 16 and 6 verse 1. 
When a beam of divine light and love had shone upon Andrew, he labours to draw his brother Simon to the fountain of all light and love. John one forty to 42 And when Philip had but a glance of Christ's countenance, his pulse beats and his heart calls upon Nathanael to come and share with him in that loving kindness that was better than life. John one forty three to 47 The constant cry of souls under the power of assurances, Come, taste and see how good the Lord is. Psalm 34, 8. Ah, sinners, sinners, his ways are ways of pleasantness and all his paths are peace. Proverbs three seventeen. His commandments are not grievous. 1 John 5, 3, but joyous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Matthew eleven thirty. Not only for keeping, but also in keeping of his commands, there is great reward. Psalm 19, verse 11. Assurance will strongly put men upon the winning of others by counsel, by example, by prayer, and by communicating their spiritual experiences to them. Assurance will furnish a man with, 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 with will, skill and experience to confute all those false reports that vain men frequently cast upon the Lord and his ways. It will make a man proclaim to the world that one day in the Lord's courts is better than a thousand years elsewhere, Psalm 84, verse 10, that there are more glorious joys, more pure comforts, more abiding peace, more royal contents, more celestial delights in one day's walking with God, in one hour's communion with God, than is to be found in all things below God. And by these and such like ways... <coughs> Souls under the power of a well-grounded assurance endeavour to make others happy with themselves. A soul under assurance is unwilling to go to heaven without company. He is often a crying out, Father, bless this soul too, and crown that soul too. Let us to heaven together, let us be made happy together. 6. It strengthens a believer against all sin. The sixth difference, sixthly, a well-grounded assurance of God's love and of a man's everlasting happiness and blessedness will exceedingly arm and strengthen him against all wickedness and baseness. Ezekiel 16, verses 60 to 63. No man loathes sin and himself for sin as such a man. No man wars and watches against sin more than such a man. No man sighs and mourns and bleeds and complains under the sense of sinful motions and sinful operations more than such a man. Luke seven forty four and 50. Every stirring of sin makes a man that is under the power of assurance to cry out, O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Romans seven twenty two to 25. Psalm 85, 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, and let them not turn again to folly or as the Hebrew will bear, and they shall not return to folly. God's speaking peace to his people fences and fortifies them against folly and vanity. The assurance that Joseph had of his master's love armed him against the lascivious assaults of his lustful mistress. And will not divine love that is stronger than death do this and more? Song of Solomon 8 verses 6 and 7 Assurance makes, assurance makes a man say to his sins as he to his idols, Get you hence, for what have I any more to do with idols? Hosea 14.8 compared with verse two, six, verses 2 and 6. So says the assured soul, Away pride, away passion, away worldly mindedness, 
Away on cleanness, away on charitableness, for what have I more to do with you? Assurance makes the soul speak to sin, as David speaks to sinners, Psalm 119, verse 115. Depart from me, ye wonders of iniquity, for I will keep the commandments of my God. So says the assured soul. Depart from me, O my lusts, for I have tasted of the love of God, and I have given up myself wholly and only to God, and I cannot but keep the commandments of my God. The Jewish rabbins report that the same night that Israel departed out of Egypt towards Canaan, all the idols and idolatrous temples in Egypt were broken down by lightning and earthquakes. So when Christ and assurance come to be set up in the soul, all the idols of Satan and a man's own heart are cast down and cast out as an abomination. Sound assurance puts a man upon purifying himself, even as Christ is pure. 1 John 3 verses 2 and 3. The assured Christian knows that it is dangerous to sin against light, and that it is more dangerous to sin against love than it is more, most dangerous, that it is most dangerous to sin against love revealed and manifested. God may well say to such a Christian, Is this thy kindness to thy friend? To sin under assurance is to sin against great mercy, is to sin against the highest hopes of glory, and this will certainly provoke God to be angry. 1 Kings 11.9 And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel that had appeared to him twice. To sin under assurance is to sin in paradise. It is to sin under the flaming sword. It is to sin in the suburbs of heaven. It is to run the hazard of losing that favour. That is better than life, that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, and of that peace that passes understanding. To sin under assurance is to cast reproach upon Christ, to grieve the spirit, to wound conscience, to weaken your graces, to blur your evidences, to usher in calamities, to embitter your mercies, and to provoke the tempter to triumph over your Saviour. Verily, that assurance is but presumption that works men to play with sin, to be bold with sin, to make light of sin, to walk on, on in ways of sin. Such assurance will never bring a man to heaven. It will never keep him from dropping into hell. Yea, it will double his damnation and make him the most miserable among all damned, miserable, forlorn spirits. Ah, Lord, from such an assurance deliver my soul and give me more and more of that divine assurance that makes sin to be more hateful than hell and that makes the soul to be more careful to avoid the one than it is fearful of falling into the other. 7. It is attended by love, humility and joy. The seventh difference. Seventhly, a well-grounded assurance is always attended with three fair handmaids or with three sweet companions. The first handmaid, the first is love. Oh, the assurance of divine favour doth mightily inflame a man's love to Christ. Mary Magdalene loved much. Christ's love to her drew her out her love very much to Christ. Luke 7. Assurance makes the soul sing it out with that sweet singer of Israel. I will dearly love thee, O Lord, my strength. Psalm 18.2 Lovers know not how to keep silence. Lovers of Christ are full of gracious expressions. Magnus amoris est amor. The magnet of love is love. It is impossible for a soul not to love. Christ that knows he is beloved of Christ. That knows uh, Christ's love constrains the soul to love, not by forcible but loving necessity. Praxiteles, the Greek sculpture, 
exquisitely drew love, taking the pattern from that passion which he felt in his own heart. When a believer finds the heart of Christ to be beating towards him, his heart will strongly beat towards Christ. Divine love is like a rod of myrtle, which, as Pliny reports, makes the traveller that carries it in his hand, that he shall never be faint or weary of walking or loving. Love alone overpowereth all power. Love is the diadem, none but the queen must wear it. Love is the wedding garment, none but the spouse can fit it. Love is a magnet to draw, as well as a fire to warm. He that doth not love Christ was never assured of the love of Christ. The second handmaid or companion that attends a well-grounded assurance is humility. David, under assurance, cries out, I am a worm and no man, Psalm 22, verse 6. Abraham, under assurance, cries out that he is but dust and ashes. Jacob, under assurance, cries out that he was not worthy of the least of all mercies. Job, under assurance, abhors himself in the dust and ashes. Moses had the honour and happiness to speak with God face to face. He was very much in God's books, in God's favour, and yet more humble, a more humble soul the earth did never bear. The great apostle Paul, under all the revelations and glorious manifestations of God to him, counts himself less than the least of all saints, Ephesians 3.8. That is presumption, that is a delusion of the devil, and no sound assurance that puffs and swells the souls of men, that makes men prize themselves above the market, above the value that God hath put upon them. 3. The third handmaid or companion that attends assurance is holy joy. Ah, this assurance causes the strong warmth of consolation to overflow the soul. Assurance raises the strongest joy in the soul, Luke 1, 46 and 47. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit have rejoiced in God my Saviour. When a man comes to be assured that God is his Saviour, at once his spirit rejoices in God. This truth is set forth by three parables in Luke 15. It is found too in 1 Peter 1 verses 8 and 9. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though... Now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Oh, the joy, the joy, the inexpressible joy that attends a well-grounded assurance. Assurance raises a paradise of delight in the soul. Tertullian saith, In quibus operama in illis et gaudi, gaudimus. In what things or persons we act, in those things or persons we rejoice. The Christian, under the power of assurance, works all his works in Christ. In him, therefore, and in him alone, he rejoiceth. 8. It springs from the witness of the Holy Spirit. The eighth difference, eighthly and lastly, a well-grounded assurance sometimes springs from the testimony and witness of the Spirit of God. The Spirit sometimes witnesses to a believer's spirit that he is born of God, and that he is beloved of God, and that he hath union and communion with God, and that he shall reign for ever with God. Romans 8.26 The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirits, that we are the children of God. The Spirit itself witnesseth not only the graces and grace, gifts and graces of the Spirit, but the Spirit itself witnesseth together with our own spirit that we are the children of God. Sometimes the saints have two witnesses, joining their testimonies together to confirm and establish them in these blessed and glorious truths, that they are the sons of God and heirs of glory, and this is their honour as well as their comfort. 
that the blessed spirit should bear witness at the bar of their consciences that they are the sons of God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That is, that we may know our election, vocation, justification, sanctification, and glorification. A man may receive many things that are freely given of God, and yet not know them till the Spirit comes and makes them known to the soul. The characteristics of the Holy Spirit's witness question, that you may say to me, how shall we know the whispering of the Spirit from the hissing of the old serpent? How shall we know the report, the witness, the testimony, and testimony of the Spirit of Christ? From that report, witness and testimony, the Old Testament deludes and deceives many by in these days, wherein he mostly appears in his angelical robes. Answer. I answer you, may know the whispering of the Spirit from the hissing of the old serpent by these following things, which I desire that you would seriously consider, as you value the peace and settlement, the satisfaction, consolation, and salvation of your souls. 1. It is inward and secret. First difference, first, the Spirit of Christ doth not witness by any outward voice as God did from heaven of Christ, Matthew 3.17, nor by an angel as to the Virgin Mary, Luke 1.30-34. But in an inward, secret, glorious and unspeakable way, he bids believers be of good cheer. Their sins are forgiven them, as Christ said to the palsied man in the Gospel, Matthew 9.2. And this truth is to be solemnly observed against those poor, deceived and deluded souls in these days that would make the world believe that they have had such and such glorious things made known by an outward, audible voice from heaven. It is much to be feared that they never found the inward sweet, the secret, the powerful testimony and report of the Spirit of Christ that boast and brag and rest so much upon an outward testimony. In 1 Kings 19 verses 11 to 13, you read of a great strong wind that rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire there was a still small voice. And the Lord spake to Elijah in that still small voice, Ah, Christians, the Spirit of the Lord makes not a noise, but he comes in a still small voice, as I may say, and makes a soft and secret report to the soul that is beloved, that is pardoned, that it shall never be forever glorified. It is gained in holy ways. Two, it is gained in holy ways. The second difference, secondly, the testimony and witness of the Spirit of Christ is only gained and enjoyed in holy and heavenly ways as you may clearly see by comparing the following scriptures together. Acts 10, verse 4. I'm going to just read these slowly, then you you can pause this and um, look these up yourselves. Acts 10, verse 4. Daniel 9, verses 20 to 22. Isaiah 64, verse 5. Acts 10, verse 44. The Spirit of the Lord is a holy spirit, and he cannot, he will not make any report of the love of the Father to the soul out of the way of holiness. Verily, all those glorious reports that many boast they have met with in sinful ways, in wretched and ungodly ways, are from the hissing of the old serpent, and not from the whisperings of the Spirit of grace. I think it is a little less than blasphemy for any to affirm that the blessed Spirit of Christ doth make reports of the love and favour of God to persons walking in ways 
of wickedness and baseness. Three, it is clear, full and satisfying. The third difference. Thirdly, the testimony and witness of the Spirit of Christ is a clear, a full, a satisfying testimony and witness. John 14, verse 17. 1 John 3, verse 24. The soul sits down under the home reports of the Spirit and saith, Lord, it is enough. The soul, being full, sits down and sweetly sings it out. My beloved is mine, and I am his. I am my well-beloved's, and his desire is towards me. Song of Solomon 2, verse 16 and 7, verse 10. The Lord is my portion, and the lot of mine inheritance. Psalm 16, verse 5. I have none in heaven but thee, neither is there any on earth that I desire in comparison of thee. Psalm 73, verse 25. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Make haste, my beloved, and so on. Song of Solomon 8, 14. Such power, majesty, and glory attends the glorious testimony of the Spirit of Christ, as scatters all clouds, as resolves all doubts, as answers all objections, and as silences the wrangling soul. If the testimony of the Spirit of Christ were not a full, satisfying testimony, it could never fill the soul with such joy as unspeakable and full of glory, and with such peace as passes understanding. If the testimony were not so satisfactory, the soul would still be under fears and doubts. The heart would still be a wrangling and complaining that it might be left to perish and to find the door of mercy shut against it. If you bring news to a condemned person that the king hath pardoned him, and that he will receive him to favour and confer such and such dignity upon him, Yet this doth not quiet him, nor satisfy him till he knows it is the king's act, till he is satisfied in that he cannot say it is enough, he cannot be cheerful, he cannot be full of delight. But when he is satisfied that it is the king's act, that the king hath certainly done this, and that for him, then he is satisfied, and then sighing and mourning flies away, and then he rejoices with joy unspeakable. So it is with a believing soul under the testimony and witness of the Spirit of Christ. For it is not operative in all believers. The fourth difference, fourthly, though the Spirit be a witnessing spirit, yet he doth not always witness to believers their adoption and their interest in Christ. There is a mighty difference between the working of the Spirit and the witness of the Spirit. There are oftentimes many glorious and efficacious works of the Spirit as faith, love, repentance and holiness for there is not the witness of the spirit Isaiah 50 10 David at the very time had the spirit and many sweet workings of the spirit in him and upon him when he had by sin lost the witness and testimony of the spirit Psalm 51 verses 10 to 12 though the spirit of the Lord be a witnessing and a sealing spirit yet he doth not always witness and seal up the love and favor of the father to believers souls as you may see by the following scriptures, and as the experience of many precious Christians can abundantly evidence. Job 23, verses 8 to 9. 1 John 5, verse 13. Psalm 88 and Psalm 77. Micah 7, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 8, verse 17. All believers do not see alike need of this testimony. They do not all alike prize this testimony. They do not all alike observe it and make good use of it. Therefore it is no wonder if the Spirit be a witnessing spirit to some and not to others. You do but gratify Satan and wrong your own souls when you argue that certainly you have not the Spirit because he is not a witnessing and a sealing spirit to your souls. 
Though it be the office of the Spirit to witness, yet it is not his office always to witness to believers their happiness and blessedness. The Spirit may act one way in one room of the soul when he doth not act in another. Sometimes the Spirit works upon the understanding, sometimes upon the will, sometimes upon the affections, sometimes upon faith, sometimes upon fear, sometimes upon love, sometimes upon humility. Our hearts are the Spirit's harps. If a man should always touch one string in an instrument, he would never play various tunes. He would never make pleasant music. No, more would the Spirit if he should always a doing one thing in the soul. Therefore he acts variously. Sometimes he will show himself a quickening spirit, sometimes an enlightening spirit, sometimes a rejoicing spirit, sometimes a sealing spirit, and sometimes, and always, always a, a supporting spirit. 5. It is a sure testimony. The fifth difference. Fifthly, the testimony witness of the Spirit is a sure testimony, a sure witness. The Spirit is truth itself. He is the great searcher of the deep things of God. The Spirit of the Lord is the discoverer, confuter, and destroyer of all false spirits. The Spirit is above all possibility of being deceived. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is one of the cabinet council of heaven. He lies and lives in the bosom of the Father, and can call them all by name upon whom the Father hath set his heart. Therefore his testimony must needs be true. It is a surer testimony than if a man should hear a voice from heaven pronouncing him to be happy and blessed. You may safely and securely lay the weight of your souls upon this testimony. It never hath deceived, it never will deceive any that hath leaned upon it. This testimony will be a rock that will bear up a soul when other false testimonies will be but a reed of Egypt. That will deceive the soul, that will undo the soul, as I am afraid many in this age of delusion have found by sad experience. 6. It is always accompanied by the testimony of our own spirit. The sixth difference, sixthly, the testimony of God's spirit is always accompanied with the testimony of our own spirit. These may be distinguished, but they can never be separated. When the Spirit of God bears his witness for a man, the man's own spirit doth not witness against him. Look, as face answers to face, so doth the witness of a believer's spirit answer to the witness of the Spirit of Christ. Romans 8.16 The Spirit witness together with our spirits that we be the sons of God. Now if our own consciences do not testify first that we are sons and heirs, the Spirit doth not testify, for the Spirit bears witness together with our spirits. The word is very express in John 3.21. But if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. But if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. 1 John 5 verses 8 to 12. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. The spirit doth witness eminently and efficiently. Water and blood witness materially and our spirits and reason instrumentally. By the Spirit we may understand the Holy Ghost, by whose strength we lay hold on Christ in, and all his benefits. By water we may understand our regeneration, our sanctification, and by blood we understand the blood and righteousness of Christ. That is imputed and applied to us by faith. And these three agree in one, that is, they do all three of one accord testify the same thing. It is always seven. It is always according to Scripture. The seventh difference. Seventhly, the witness of the Spirit is ever according to the Word. 
There is a sweet harmony between the inward and the outward testimony, between the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Scriptures were all indicted by the Spirit, 2 Peter 1, 20-21, and therefore the Spirit cannot contradict himself, which he would do if he should give any testimony contrary to the testimony of the Word. It is blasphemy to make the testimony of the Spirit, to contradict the testimony of the Word. The Spirit hath revealed his whole mind in the Word, and he will not give a contrary testimony to what he hath given in the Word. The Word saith that they are born again, that are new creatures, that believe and repent. Shall They that are born again, that are new creatures, that believe and repent, shall be saved. But thou art born again, thou art a new creature, thou believest and repentest. Therefore thou shalt be saved, saith the Spirit. The Spirit never looseth where the word bindeth. The Spirit never justifies where the word condemns. The Spirit never approves where the word disapproves. The Spirit never blesses where the word curses. In the Old Testament all revelations were to be examined by the word. Deuteronomy 13, 1-4, Isaiah eight twenty. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light or no morning in them. So in that of John sixteen thirteen, The Spirit shall lead you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but what he shall hear, that shall he speak. Here the Holy Ghost is brought in as some messenger or ambassador who only relates things faithfully according to that he hath in charge. Such as look and lean upon the hissing of the old serpent may have a testimony that they are blessed against the testimony of the word, but wherever the Spirit of Christ gives his testimony, it is always according to the word. Look as indenture answers to indenture, or as the counterpart exactly answers to the principal conveyance. There is article for article, clause for cause, clause, covenant for covenant, word for word. So doth the testimony of the Spirit exactly answer to the testimony of the word. 8. It is holy. The eighth difference. Eighthly, it is a holy witness, a holy testimony. It is formally in it. It is originally holy it is effectually holy. Nothing makes the heart delight more in the love, study, practice and growth of holiness than the glorious testimony of the Holy Spirit. And the more clear and full the testimony is, the more holy and gracious it will make the soul. Nothing puts upon the soul such golden engagements to holiness as the Spirit sealing a man up to one day, to the day of redemption, as the Spirit speaking and sealing peace Love and pardon to the soul, Psalm 85, verse 8, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Nothing makes a man more careful to please Christ, more fearful to offend Christ, more studious to exalt Christ, and more circumspect to walk with Christ than this testimony of the Spirit of Christ. Verily, that is not the blessed whispering of Christ's Spirit, but the hissing of the old serpent that makes men bold with sin that makes men dally with sin, that makes man a servant to sin, that breeds a contempt of ordinances, a neglect of holy duties, a carelessness in walking with God. And from those hissings of the old serpent, O Lord, deliver my soul, and the souls of all thy servants that put their trust in thee. 9. It is only bestowed on renewed hearts. The ninth difference, ninthly and lastly, Assurance is a jewel, a pearl of such price that God only bestows it upon renewed hearts. The Spirit never sets his seal upon any, but upon those that Christ hath first printed his image upon. 
God gives the white stone, Revelation 2.17, but only to those from whom he hath taken the heart of stone, Ezekiel 36, 25, 26, and 27 compared. Christ never tells a man that his name is written in the book of life till he hath breathed into him spiritual life, Luke 10.20. Christ never says, Son, be of good cheer, thy sin is pardoned, till he hath first said, Be thou healed, be thou cleansed, Luke 5, verses 18 to 20. Christ never gives a man a new name that is better than the names of sons and daughters till he hath made him a new creature. Isaiah 56 verse 5, 2 Corinthians 5 17. Of slaves, Christ first makes us sons before we cry, Abba, Father, Romans 8 15. Of enemies, he first makes us friends before he will make us of his court and household. Ephesians 2 verses 13 to 20. Christ will never hang on a pearl in a swine's snout, nor put new wine into old bottles, nor his royal robes upon a leprous back, nor his golden chain about a dead man's neck, nor his glistering crown upon a traitor's head. The Spirit never sets his seal upon any but those that Christ hath first set as a seal upon his heart. Ephesians 1.13, Song of Solomon 8.6 The Spirit only bears witness to such as hate sin as Christ hates it, and that love righteousness as Christ loves it, that hate sin more than hell, and that love truth more than life, Psalm 45, verse 7. A soul sealed by the Spirit will put out, pull out right eyes and cut off right hands for Christ. Such souls will part with a Benjamin and offer up an Isaac for Christ. And this is to be seriously minded against those deceived and deluded souls that remain yet in their blood and that wallow in their sins and yet boast and brag of the seal and of the witness and testimony of the Spirit. And thus I have showed you the difference between the whisperings of the Spirit and the hissing of the old serpent between a true testimony and a false. Well, that's wonderful teaching, an amazing teaching, brilliant teaching. Now, there is um, one more chapter to go in this book, uh, and we'll do that next time, obviously, but the next chapter is entitled Answers to Several Special Questions About Assurance. Thank you, Lord.